that that air here. Radio. Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Don Mazzella, and I am your host for a program devoted to identifying strategies and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are other entrepreneurs and experts offering their solutions to the problems and opportunities facing small business leaders. Our aim in each program is to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas or suggestions. So follow us on Twitter at hashtag 2SBDigest or at our website at www.smallbusinessdigest.net. You know, we have a very unusual program tonight. We have guests who are going to talk about how they um, uh, market to the uh, value of the marketplace and someone who markets to the stars, using stars. But our first guest is Sanji Kekar. He is co-creator of Chef Ernesto products that are... uh, presently available throughout the United States at select Dollar Tree stores. Sanji, welcome to the program. Good evening, and I'm glad I'm here with you, Don, today. Well, we're glad you're here, too, because anybody that uh, uh, with a, a name like yours that can pr- produce a product like Chef Ernesto, I went out and bought the product, and uh, uh-huh. being, Ita- uh, being Italian-American, I tried it, and it was very, very good. You're to be congratulated. Thank you very much. And I'm really glad that you liked the product and you didn't find it hot or spicy and uh, you appreciated the goodness of uh, fresh vegetables in it. Well, uh, Sanju, as we ask all our guests, tell us a little bit of, about your background and how do you how you came to develop Chef Ernesto products? Sure. Uh, in fact, I am an accidental business person. Uh, I always say in my past life, I was a sailor. Uh, I'm an engineer by education. I used to work on large merchant ships, like oil tankers and container ships. So when I was a chief engineer, at that time, I got married. So I was very excited, and my wife joined me on the ship. And when she joined me on the ship, within, I think, five days, she started feeling seasick. Wow. So she just we just started sailing, and she was sick to the core. And within three months, she said, I can't take this anymore. And she left the ship, and she went home. And I was with this choice. Either I continue sailing, or if I do that, then my married life gets spoiled or I do something different. So I decided, since I love my wife, let me quit what I've been doing for about 10 years and start something new. And that's how I got into the business of food. And when I started off, I started off as a mushroom grower first and then graduated into other products like desserts, sweets, appetizers, and 
within the last one year, we created this Chef Ernesto brand. And the need for creating this brand and this product was when, as I said, when I left the Merchant Marine and I started afresh in business, I had to struggle very hard. I almost started from scratch. And there were times, in fact, there were more than times when the stores like Dollar Trees and Dollar Stores and uh, discount stores were my sole source of survival. And now when I look back, I said, I, I need to do something. And then let me offer some good, wholesome, nutritious products to the people who can't afford uh, to go to likes of Whole Foods and others. And it has always been my aim since when I started business that I will always do products which are without any chemicals, any preservatives, and all the ingredients are the one which a customer can pronounce. No long chemical names, just a clean deck of ingredients. And that's how Chef Ernesto came into being. Well, <laughs> that's an interesting story. You know, the nice thing about this program, I get to hear some... Uh, uh, some interesting stories by people like yourself. So now, you, you, but you're here, you developed this line of products, but how did you manage to get it into uh, a Dollar Tree and, and uh, places like that and create a national brand? Okay, now this is again, you know, when I started with this, I, as any entrepreneur, I thought I would be going to the likes of Safeways and Victons and Costco's and Sam and or maybe to some other fancy names. The biggest problem I encountered was all these stores wanted a huge slotting fee. Okay? They said they will store our product but they need between ten thousand dollars to fifteen thousand dollars per item slotting fees with no guarantee that the product will sell or they will kick us out. And I did not have that kind of money. And as I said in the beginning, that I always think that I, I need to pay back to those discount stores in a way that they looked after me when I was struggling. So I went to Dollar Street Buyers I'm at Virginia, Mr. Alan Gold. I said, this is my range of product. This is my vision. And we will offer you these products at a price which nobody else can do it for you. And the buyer was very smart. He recognized the value into this. And he said, okay, we, I'll start with you with three items. And we started with three products. And today we are doing eight products with those. And there are more in pipeline. And this is how I started with those Dollar Trees. And we are already uh, have business with 99 cent chains in California who have about 300 stores. And, of course, so I'm talking to a lot of other companies. And now since this brand is gaining uh, some traction, because it's still pretty new, it's only about six months, less than six months old, I'm getting a lot of feelers from other other large brokers that they can help us put this into bigger, bigger chains. At this time, my focus is I need to satisfy my initial customers like Dollar Trees and 99 cent chain stores so that they are happy both in both in terms of the quality, quantity, and my deliveries, and that's my total focus for the next twelve months. But Sanji, you, uh, 
you're nationwide. You're it's a frozen food uh, products that you have. You, you that requires a big infrastructure. How did you manage to build it so quickly? See, the, uh, in fact, the whole thing is logistics. So managing logistics and distribution to 18 distribution centers in the country is not easy. So what I identified was I chose Norfolk, Virginia, Savannah, Georgia, Houston, Oakland, and Los Angeles as my distribution hubs. So what I'm, what I'm trying to do is not to put this product into the storage or warehouse to incur costs. As soon as the product is ready to be shipped to one of these distribution centers, say, for example, I service from Norfolk, I service the Virginia distribution center of Dollar Street, which has about 850 stores. From Houston distribution center, I service Houston and Dallas, which has got about 450 stores. When I, when I go to Los Angeles, I service Ontario and Denver from there. From Oakland, I service Portland, uh, Northern California, and some other uh, areas around that. So that's how I have built up a structure. And it is really a very lean and mean machine because if we make one mistake or we, we miss one delivery, we will start losing money. So that's how I, logistics is a key uh, thing in this operation. But now, Sanji, do you uh, do you, uh, you're in New Jersey? Do you do all your cooking in New Jersey, or do you do it in plants around the country? Oh, 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 all all my products are done in the plants which I own, and these plants are in India. And uh, I own those plants, and uh, from there we get the product from my own factory. I'm sorry, where is it located? They're in India. Plants and factories are in India. In India? Yes. And then, and and then, these, you, and then and you transport it here? Sorry. Yes. And these factories are all third-party audited, all certified by uh, the, the leading companies uh, who look after the plants and the state-of-the-art facilities. And from India, I bring in my shipments to Norfolk, Houston, Oakland, and other parts of the country. And from there, I go and distribute. Clever. Uh, you, you, so you do all of your all of your production in India, and then uh, bring it, I guess, in a uh, a freezer con- container uh, uh, to these ports, and then distribute from there. That's correct. And 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 our operation is uh, pretty smooth in the sense it takes. 21 days from port of port in India to port in the United States, and from and the western western ports like Oakland and Los Angeles takes about 30 days. And just before the container is ready to arrive, we file all our documents with FDA customs so that there is no holdup. And our trucking companies and others are all ready to grab the container, unload it, put it into trucks for different distribution centers, and run with it. So that there is no extra fluff anywhere. But but what about uh, uh, food quality? How do you get the F- <clears throat> the FDA uh, inspection? Do you get it there in India or do you get it here? Uh, uh, FDA inspection is done over here, and the plants which I have, those plants have been exporting into the United States for the last twenty years, and they have an excellent record with FDA. 
We have never had any issues. And we did have FDA inspectors visit those plants, and they were really very happy with the qualities and uh, all the protection, safety precautions being taken in the factory. That is really fa- fascinating. I, I've never run across, I'm sure it's there, but I've never run across uh, um, a food production pr- uh, program from India to here. It, you know, the nice thing about this program, I learned something new on every program, and you just taught me something uh, very good. How did the Los Angeles port strike affect you? The Los Angeles port strike and the issues at Oakland, they they really uh, hurt us very badly in the sense I had to divert my shipments to Port of Houston, and then from there I had to ship them to uh, western part of the country, and that did increase my cost. And I did lose some money in some of my shipments because of this. But since my commitment was to my customers, I took that brunt. And I think now that things are coming back to normal. But still, I feel because of the issues in West Coast, the ports in East Coast like Norfolk, Savannah, New York, they have so many containers that it takes, on an average, a truck takes about five hours to pull out a container from port of New York and Norfolk when this thing should take only about an hour. And that is adding up to my cost. But I, I hope that the things will get back to normal in the next two to three months uh, as the backlog is just started clearing now. It's fascinating. But how does it affect your shelf life? I mean, uh, the FDA has rules about how long you can uh, keep it on uh, on the shelf. How, how does this system, does it uh, shorten your shelf life? See, uh, all the products which I do are frozen products. They are at zero degree Fahrenheit. Right from the time they are uh, produced, they're put into a warehouse at zero degrees Fahrenheit. They're shipped under refrigerated conditions. And the shelf life under these conditions is over 18 months. So we are fine with our shelf life. And this product does not last on the shelf for more than a week. It just, I mean, it, it sells very well. We are very proud about that fact. So shelf life issues are pretty good. We are very happy with what we are doing on that part. Well, uh, let's talk about your ingredients. How do, uh, uh, do you get get all of your ingredients from India, the tomatoes and everything else, or, or do you ship it in from other places? All the ingredients we use in our factory are grown by us. For example, there are nine vegetables in our vegetable paddy, right from corn, to green beans, to potatoes. So all these are grown under contract farming by the factories. And we have a total control on the quality of ingredients we use in our plant. The mushrooms we use for battered mushrooms are grown by us. As I had mentioned earlier, I started my business life as a mushroom grower. That still is my passion. We are the only factory in the world where mushrooms are grown and packed within four hours of harvesting. Nowhere in the world is done like that because my processing plant and my mushroom growing are next to each other. So we have a total control over all our ingredients. We grow them ourselves under our contract farming plan, and we have a total traceability uh, of all our products. For example, if you pick up a box of our, say, battered mushrooms, and you give me a code written on the back of it, I can go back to the shift in which it 
that production was made, who was responsible for that. So that's the kind of uh, traceability factors we have built into our system so that we can have a total control over quality. Uh, fascinating. Uh, I'm learning a lot. Um, Thank you. Uh, I hope our audience is as well. Uh, that's why we have people like you on this program because uh, you find solutions to problems um, and uh, offer open other. Now, how do you decide on your products? Do you work with the Dollar Tree or do you simply set, tell Dollar Tree uh, these are the products we have? How do you develop them? Okay, so what we did was uh, kind of an informal study of what sells more on an appetizer section because we couldn't afford to hire companies which who do a data study. They're very expensive. So uh, on an average, I spent about eight, hours a week in, in grocery stores, looking at people, what they buy, what product moves faster in the stores, and where do I provide value for money? I'll give you an example. I thought of doing onion rings, but I decided not to do it because onion rings is more of a mechanized product and you can do it in a machine. So I will not be providing value to my customers in the United States because uh, my advantage lies in products which are more hand labored involved, more ingre more ingredients involved, more chef time involved. So that's how I picked up, say, for example, mushrooms. I'm, I keep on coming to mushrooms because mushroom is a very labor intensive item where all mushrooms are picked by hand and it takes a lot of time. So I decided on that. But this is an item where I'll be able to provide value to, to the customer. For example, an eight ounce battered mushroom sells for a dollar in dollars to stores. Compare that even to a uh, chains like Costco's and Sam's, the price is more than $2 a pound. But we are selling at, at, at a very low price compared to uh, what these stores are doing. And this is the kind of value we are providing to our customers. And uh, I, as, as you asked, how did I cho choose my product? My basic things are, what are the advertisers which sell the most, number one? Number two, which products involve more hand labor? Uh, like samosas we do. These samosas can only be made by hand. We sell these to Costco also, and the same value we are providing to the Dollar Tree customers. So that, uh, that's the kind of, you know, it's, I won't say it's a pure science how we choose our product, but it's more like, you know, what are the items we sell. For example, the new products which are hitting the shelves this week are French Toast Sticks and French Toast Bites. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm very fond of French toast. So uh, whenever I pick, pick up a French toast from leading manufacturers in the country, after I eat them, I get a little bit of an aftertaste in my mouth. So I was, you know, reading all the ingredients and looked into it. And there were so many chemicals into that. So I said, no, this is a product which I can do without any chemicals, any preservatives. And it took us a few months to develop a product and once you, once the customer tastes Chef Ernesto French toast and French toast bites, they will see the difference. There is no aftertaste. So this is kind of, you know, a process which I use to come up with new products. Well, who, um, the, the Dollar Trees of this world, et cetera, have had a, a, a surge in uh, sales over the last uh, 
since uh, uh, the, the recent recession started, people found that, uh, that they have great value. Um, has the, your customer changed um, uh, over, over the years that you've worked? Uh, prior to that, Dollar Tree was reserved primarily for uh, lower-income families, but I went into one uh, to, to buy your product, and I was surprised that the people that were in it, um, uh, some well-dressed people were taking advantage. Um, has your customer changed over the, uh, of the past couple of years? Uh, this is a little difficult question for me to answer because I was not doing a lot of retail earlier. I was doing food service and industrial products. And my only retail before that was ethnic Indian products, and that's a different uh, segment. So I, I can say Dollar Tree is my first real foray into a mainstream retail. And I do find, on an average, I get about 15 calls a day from customers. And I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised that the customer base of Dollar Tree is very vocal. So I was... Uh, You're breaking, Sanji. You're breaking up. You're I'm having, sorry. Uh, I, I said uh, on an average, I get about 15 calls a day from the customers who have used our product, and they all have different comments. They like the product. They some people say they find it a little hard. Why don't we write spicy? But 99% of the calls are they really praise the product. So when I I discuss this with the buyers of quality uh, product. And I really like his comment. And Mr. Gold said, our, we, we call ourselves a poor man's Taylor Jones. Because our customers are very vocal. They, come, they, they really talk. They really give us feedback. And we really feel so great about it that so many customers call from all over the country. And they really, they really love these items. And yes, the sales are increasing at a level we, we, we thought they would. You 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 leave me somewhat, somewhat speechless because you're such a, um, a, a a good guest and have a wealth of knowledge. Do you do you miss the sea? Oh, I do, I do. I miss the sea a lot. I always say that uh, that was a great life, and uh, I had struggled from becoming a junior engineer to chief engineer, and just when the good times had started, I had to leave. Yes, I do miss the sea. Well, well, you seem to be successful in everything you do. Um, what do you, what do you attribute? How do you, um, uh, or what do you attribute uh, the qualities that make you such a successful man? I think uh, I, I'm really focused on what I do. I don't deviate. Once I make a decision to do something, I don't deviate. I listen to everyone. I try to hire good people and then let them lose. And my mission is very straightforward, to offer value to customer without compromising on quality. And I will not give any, I will not offer any food product to anywhere in the market which I won't consume myself. So these are two, three basic small principles I work with. And uh, I, I feel uh, God has been great. And I worked hard on it, and I'm happy about it. 
Well, uh, if you had three things to tell a small business owner, what would they be? I said the first is identify your goals. Once you identify them, don't deviate. Just keep work hard on them, and once you you will feel a lot of deviations, even from your family, from your friends, and sometimes you will doubt your, yourself that am I doing, am, am I on the right path or not? But if if you are sure in your heart you are, don't deviate. And third thing is be persistent. If you are persistent, you will succeed. Well, um, you, you're here in this country. Um, I, I, I gather you're from India? Yes, I'm from India, but I'm uh, in the United States for over a quarter of a century now. Um, so I was born in India, yes. What do you see as your next steps? You've now created this product. You've got this uh, supply line. What do you see as your next steps in all of this? Right now, if I look at next 12 months, my focus is to have at least 20 new items into these discount chains, build up that uh, line successfully, offer value to the customer, and then go into other other chains and other high so-called high-end chains and show them that they can also provide value to their customers at a lower cost. So that's what I'm focused at, that let's let's be let's be a supplier who does not compromise on quality but still offers value to the customer so that's my total focus for the next 12 months well um let's talk about quality for a moment if we can how do you manage the quality from here to india okay first of all we have uh, very stringent specifications for all our raw ingredients, whether it's vegetables, spices, oil, and we have SOPs, the standard operating procedures laid down for even mundane things like how to load a container, how to pack a sample. I mean, there will be a 10-step SOP for how to pack a sample. So when if there is any deviation from any of these standard operating procedures, the whole machine comes to a stop because our quality assurance people have so much power, they can override me also. If they put a stop to a product for any reason, that will never get shipped. So, and we value that, and we value that procedure, we value their input. So this is how we keep it simple, but we keep it tight. And that's how we maintain the quality. Well, how do you manage your relationship with Dollar Tree? I mean, uh, do you talk with them every day? Do you, uh, uh, you know, they're 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 your big customer, and and I'm, uh, I don't know what percentage of your business they represent, but uh, imagine a big part of it. How do you manage that day to day relationship? We we have a weekly conference call with Dollar Tree buyer, where we uh, also take stock of the sales last week, and what is the inventory level at different distribution centers. So based on that, we decide how much more product to bring in at what level, at what ports. And uh, so once in a week, we have that call. 
And once in a quarter, I go there, meet with them, along with the new product ideas. For example, we are going to bring in frozen mango cubes, and we are, we are going to start packing those next week when the mango season is starting in India. So all this came out after a lot of discussions, what their customer will like, what kind of size, what kind of quality. So in a, once in a quarter, we meet and discuss about new products and a, week, and a weekly meeting on the previous week's performance. That's fair. Um, you also have another chain on the West Coast, uh, if I heard you right. How do you do? You do the same thing, or is it uh, different? Okay, with the ninety-nine cent stores, uh, our first container is going to get delivered by June. Sorry, July fifth. It is already being processed right now. So we are starting with French toast sticks and French toast bites. But next week, Pony Arab is meeting them again with new products, which they have already made a decision to bring in eight new products, and they will be kind of writing us a final purchase order, hopefully next week on that. And once that starts, then we will be doing 256 stores of 99-cent stores. You're, you're a fascinating guest. I want to keep you on for another five minutes. Our guest yeah. from the, um, our middle guest uh, has not appeared but I don't think our audience is missing him as much uh, because I think they're learning as much as we can. Uh, we're learning a lot from you. Uh, I'm sure your your wife is happy now that you're off to sea. Uh, yes, for that part, she's happy. But since I spend so many hours at work and it's almost practically a seven-day thing, so she's very unhappy when she, when she wakes up on a Saturday morning and sees me working in the morning. So at least it's Saturday for me. And I say, okay, I, I will try to finish up time. Yes, uh, she, overall, yes, she's very happy that uh, together and we are not apart. If I was out at sea, that would have been the case. So uh, I think we are doing well. Thank you for asking. Well, can you hold on a second, Sanji? Yeah. I think our next guest... Uh, we have another guest on the line. Who, who is here? Uh, this is uh, Jonathan DeColibus. Uh, welcome to the program. Well, um, uh, thanks, thanks so much for for having us on. How are you doing today? We're doing fine. We're just finishing up with Sanji Kakar, who is a co-owner, co-creator, and owner of Chef Ernesto Products. Um, uh, Sanji, you've been a fantastic guest. Um, we want to really thank you for uh, appearing on the program, and I hope you come back later on in the year and talk more. Because I, I, I hope that. our I hope our audience learned as much as I did today. Thank, thank you for having me. It's been my pleasure to share my views and my journey, and I'll be happy to be back anytime you invite me. Thank you. But, but Sanjay, what what is your website? It is called Himalaya Inc. H i m a l a y a i n t dot com, and we are getting a new website for Chef Ernesto, which should be up and running in the next fifteen days, and that will be the Chef Ernesto dot com. T h e Chef Ernesto dot com. Oh well, uh, Sanjay, thank you. You've kept us informed and uh, entertained. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye.
Okay. I, I'll ask our next guest to tell us a little bit about himself, his, his name, and exactly a little bit about his personal background before we get into uh, uh, his company. Well, fantastic. And, uh, you know, uh, well, first off, my name is Jonathan DeColibus, and uh, I like to think of myself as uh, where I was, you know, where my roots really are, which is uh, I'm a farm boy from California. That's where I where I really started from. And uh, I recall being inspired by, you know, several different books that I read when I was younger and in several different, you know, magazines. Fortune magazine was, was one of them and Entrepreneur magazine as well. And I and I, I just recall seeing these stories of people who were creating success for themselves in in business. And, you know, being that I was on a farm and in a in a in a very small town of about a thousand people in, in California, uh, you know, I was, I was trying to figure out, you know, how would I, uh, take myself from, <laughs> from a farm boy into the image that I was visualizing of myself as this entrepreneur. So I just literally started where I was, you know, they say bloom where you're planted uh, you know, grow where you are. So I started where I was, and I began door to door, knocking on the neighboring farms and the neighbors uh, around. And I just began drumming up uh, business for a small, you know, landscaping and uh, farm work company. So we started from there, and you know, of course, I think when you're going door to door, you're and you're looking for, you know, your <laughs> your farm work uh, from your neighbors, you know, the level of sales that you need to have is, is, is practically very, very limited in order to be successful, uh, you know, at that level. So from there, I took that newfound confidence. And within a few years, I I'd started several other businesses that were a bit more serious and that were dealing with a bit more uh, serious matters. One of them uh, was a, uh, a wealth and investment management Company and one of the issues that we had uh, when we started that company, Don, was that we were, you know, we were really in touch with some of the greatest investment strategies. We had some of the greatest people on our team. We had some of the greatest uh, technology at our disposal, and and you know, great location, etc. But the problem was, and this is something that a lot of startup companies face, is we were having problems with getting more clients. And so naturally I I sought out a mentor and I and I ran into this this man who really sat me down and, and I and I thank God for him because he really really brought me to the core of it all and, and he was just brutally honest. He said, Jonathan, he goes, the problem isn't that you don't have a great idea. He goes, you've got a great idea, and you're, you're, you're already successful with it with the current clients that you have. He goes, but your problem is you don't know how to sell. You just don't know how to sell. So, you know, I, I took his advice, and I went out there. I dedicated about 12 to 24 months. I forget exactly the amount of months, but I just went out there, and I just was just dedicated to going to seminars and reading all the books, getting all the CDs and the, and the audio trainings out there on sales. And I just really 
invested in that knowledge and what that 12 or 24 months turned into was basically an obsession into learning about influence and learning about sales and learning about you know how to use communication in a way that leads to more clients in a way that leads to more profitability so that really just became an obsession because i saw the immediate and massive impact that it had upon the lifeblood of the company, which, you know, obviously, as you know, is, is cash flow. So, you know, basically 15 companies later, uh, you know, I, I just sat down and uh, we wrote down the book, which was Unlimited Influence, you know, how to sell any idea one-on-one, because I, I, I felt that even though there are so many resources out there that even teach the theory and some of the more psychologically maybe stimulating things, there wasn't really a handbook out there or, or a guide that would really take an entrepreneur from, you know, I've got a great idea to how do I get this idea into the hands of investors, into the hands of, you know, new clients, and in a way that is really sustainable over the long term. So, yeah, I guess that's kind of the uh, the short answer. I'm not sure if I – uh, took too long on that, but that's that's the uh, that's the short bio there of you know where I am and where I'm from and what I've done so far. Well, I have a hunch you never give a short answer, but to anything. But hold on a second. <laughs> I, I want we have another guest um, online. Is this Jeff Corbin? Yes, it is. Jeff, uh, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Uh, nice to be here this evening. Um, uh, I'm, uh, I like to have it intera- interactive when I see two people that are uh, somewhat congruent. And uh, you're founder and CEO of the Employee App, which was yep, designed right. to, to transform employee communications. So I'd like you to listen in and chime in whenever you want, and we're going to get to you. But the uh, 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 I, I'm getting our first, our well, actually second guest uh, is going to now tell us about his product, and uh, then we'll be talking to you. Okay? Sounds good. Okay. Now we're back to you. So tell us what you do now. Well, right now, what we do is is we have a uh, a consulting company and. Uh, Unfortunately, we we are not taking any new clients right now because we're we're fully at capacity right now. But I but we definitely will uh, you know we'll what? still talk to people if if they want to have a um, you know if they want to get on the waiting list or or whatnot. But basically, what we do right now is, is we work with. What's the name of your company? And, well, the name of the company is is actually just my name. Uh, that's that's who, that's. What we have, we've, we've got uh, we've got consultants who work for us, but it's under my name. And well, spell uh, it out, basically, uh, and spell it out in, in your uh, website first off. Sure, sure. So the website uh, where where people can go to right now is bookourcall.com. And uh, spell it out, please, for everybody. Sure, book. So book is B O O K, our O U R call C A L L dot com. 
and so they can, they can go there if, if they want to to set up a a call with uh, with myself or one of our consultants. And uh, but yeah, so long story short, uh, what we do is, is we only work with organizations who have uh, over ten salespeople, and what we do is we take their salespeople from the position of uh, you know just maybe being average and being blase as far as you know what they're bringing in maybe they're they're bringing in a good amount of sales but they're not hitting the peak goals that the ceo or that the president uh really would have for the organization so what what we really do is we go ahead and we and we uh and we train them using what we call the natural instinct method which is where we're teaching them both the 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 art and the science of of influence and adding value and whatnot, but also in in the structure of influence. What we do is we don't teach scripts, we don't teach any any kind of uh, you know automated or you know auto response kind of uh, kind of communication, but it's very natural and it's very authentic. And uh, what that really does lend itself to is is a very uh, very effective and, and very precise and very productive uh, conversation and, and a very you know very highly um, highly effective closing ratio. So yeah, so that's you know I, I think if well, we wait, say, let's wait, wait, let's stop there and let's ask a question. Well, what is one of the things that you teach that that uh, will change a salesperson? Yeah, well, I would say one of the one of the biggest mistakes that we see in sales teams around the world right now um, is we see that there's there's more of a logical method of closing the deal. Which is when I say logical, I mean that they're bringing reasons to the table, reasons why the uh, why the prospect would want to buy, and these reasons these reasons are very logical. So I mean these reasons are data based. They're very info based it's uh it's it's very much about numbers and about percentages and where that really goes wrong is that you know we are we are emotional creatures as you know so uh what the what the real difference is is that that I would recommend right now for anybody out there in sales or any any sales team or any sales manager who wants to implement this into his into his team is get your team to focus more on the emotional stimulate the emotions first get you know make that be the 90% of the focus beyond stimulating the client's emotions by building this sense of harmony with the prospect uh and obviously one of the quick you know I and I don't like to give out a lot of tactical things because I think it's it's more of the bigger picture that that matters but a lot of guys want to hear a quick tip. So one of the quick things that I like to mention is, you know, as a salesperson, use the use the word you and try to form, a, you know, questions around that in the conversation. And, and that in and of itself, being more client-focused, that combined with an emotional type of, 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 of sales point, you know, being, you know, why are they buying? Why are they even interested? What's what's the core emotions that are causing them to buy? Is is it fear? Is it uh, is it love? Is it uh, is it guilt? Is it that they have dreams? Is it you know curiosity? You know, really tapping into the emotions first and foremost, and connecting with them at that level lends to a much more productive call. 
Does that make well, sense? That, it does. Uh, it's something um, uh, I, I learned a long time ago from uh, uh, from a very old salesperson. Uh, but now the question I have for you is, in this world today, how how, how many people really get a chance to do it person to person? We're so uh, oriented to selling via the Internet. You know, and that's really where I, again, going back to my to my roots. I mean, I, you know, that's really where I I go back to the old school, and and I I really am oriented around old school business. Um, I, I don't really like a lot of the new school because it, it does kind of uh, dehumanize our our uh, our interactions. I mean, you you hear a lot of these words uh, like users and consumers, you know, being tossed around, and uh, the problem with that, as you know, is is, is that it, it takes us further away from where business used to be. You know, business used to be uh, back in the day where, you know, if you had a problem with your lawnmower and you had to buy a new lawnmower, well, you'd go see Roger on the corner, you know, and, and, and Roger's got got his, his shop set up. And you go over there and it's a, it's a natural conversation that lends itself to a natural close. And, you know, a lot of the, the tactics that are being used today are, are very much, you know, very high pressure. Uh, they're very, uh, you know, honestly, they're very obnoxious. And, you know, although it does work in some cases, what we do see that, that ends up happening is that it leads to resentment and, and many times buyers remorse later on. But going back to your question, you know, how, how does somebody really connect, uh, you know, face-to-face or, or over the phone with somebody in this world where, you know, everything's techy and it's very, you know, it's online and, and there's all these uh, technological <laughs> Uh, barriers that we have now now between us. Well, I, I would say really just stick to your guns. You know, if if you if you want to go face to face, then then go out there and and you know get your team out there on the streets. Uh, you know, going to meet people at their offices, or you know, if if that's not where you want to take your company, then then get them back on the phone, uh, because you know the the three most powerful ways of of making the sale first off is going to be face to face secondly is going to be over the phone and thirdly is going to be direct mail you know and, and all three of these are are offline so again i mean this is old school and you know it's not going to resonate with everybody there's there there's definitely a a large crowd of i think techie kind of uh companies out there now and and you know good i mean <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, well, but I think at the hold, same time, sure. hold that thought because uh, just stay right there, Jeff. You've yeah, been, I'm here. You've been listening to this, and you've you've designed um, uh, uh, an app for uh, increasing productivity and employee engagement. Um, first, tell us a little bit about your company and yourself before we go any further, so our audience knows a little bit about you. I've heard a lot about you, but. Yeah. Uh, tell the audience. Well, I, I, I think it's, 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 it's a great segue because my background isn't in technology. It's not in developing apps. In fact, I have no idea how to code. Um, I was a liberal arts major and never took – I don't even know if I took a math class or if I did, I didn't do so well. But um, my, my background for the, for the past 17 years has been that old-school consultant um, where I, I basically ran a – I've run a, a public relations firm. 
you know, consulting with public companies, with private companies, large, small, you know, uh, and, and helping them in their communications with uh, their respective audiences. Um, it was about three, four years ago when we saw what was happening. I happened to be very fortunate and had my director of, uh, director of interactive come to me. This is when I was still using a BlackBerry, but said, you know, there's something going on with these Apple devices. Apple's onto something. You know, there's all this talk about uh, apps. And, you know, at the time, it was all about Angry Birds and, you know, all these games and weather things and just instantaneous access to information. And, you know, we, we, he, he said to me, I have an idea. How about if we, as evaluated service for our communications consulting clients, you know, who are used to the same old, same old uh, methodology of communicating with their, with their respective audiences, why don't, we, why don't we create a app which, for all intents and purposes, is software for the mobile device? That's really what an app is. It's, 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 it's the code that's written for the operating systems of the Apple devices, the Android devices. And then we'll give it to our clients, you know, as a value-added. We'll, we'll differentiate ourselves in a somewhat crowded and uh, stagnant state, if you will, uh, industry, the public relations industry. So we started to develop this. And as you know, he, he came to me maybe six, nine months after we had the initial conversation and says to me, he shows me this, this prototype, and I'm like, dude, I think you're onto something. You know, this is, this, this is kind of neat. So we, we then uh, built it out. We, we hired an outside developer to help us uh, mature it, if you will, and went to a you know, PR, investor relations trade show, put up a 10 by 10 booth and came up with a crazy name at the time. We, it was called the IR app for investor relations. And next thing we know, we have well over a hundred customers, companies like Cisco, the food distribution company and Colgate-Palmolive, um, Philip Morris, Fortune 100 companies that are embracing not only the importance of having a mobile strategy, but our solution as an easy, cost-effective way to implement such a strategy. So I guess, you know, that's, you know, I, I just riled off my, my background, but where we are now, it's, uh, you know, we, we've, we, we took something that was, you know, a, a very stagnant industry where I was, you know, I was doing the same old, same old, and it's a great business, the consulting business, you know, great business. That's why there's so many consultants out there, but then we're able, was able to transform it and to use my knowledge to really, you know, think about how I could help my clients and companies in general to take uh, their communications to the next level. And i got to tell you, it's a different business model because it's software as a service, uh, subscription-based, recurring revenue, great business model, um, having a lot of fun doing it. Well, now we, we have uh, two guests, one who, d who does it one-on-one, -on -one, if, if I'm right, and the other who does it through an app. But both are essentially ta talking about the same thing. How do you improve sales? Am I uh, off base in uh, saying it that way? You're talking to me, Jeff? Either way. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about sales. That's why we're in business, right? I'm sorry. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 you know, here's the uh, here's the truth. I think is that there's there's more than one way to skin the cat, as we all know. And I think it's it's uh, as I as I say, you know, one approach is not going to work for everybody. I think what I do is not going to you know it's not made for everybody. It's not tailored for everybody. And I would say you know probably what uh, what the other gentleman's saying as well. Probably not for you know it's 
And I think that's the beauty of business as well is that we can all take, uh, you know, really find the right solution that works for the right company. So that's where, you know, I think it, it really does come down to the individuals and, uh, you know, what they're, what they're really going to implement and actually use. I'd say uh, you probably, pro- probably both agree with me that it's not necessarily the strategy as much as it is, you know, is there execution actually happening or are they actually putting it out there to work? Yeah, I mean, our, 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 you know, I, I totally agree. I think the, you know, our, our view was, and, and, and I'm actually now as a, as a channel for me to sell in my mobile business, not my consulting business. In the mobile business, I'm actually going out and talking to consulting firms because, you know, the, the reality is that the mobile device is nothing more than a handheld computer, and to the extent that people are now walking around with these devices. You know how are they going to use how, how how can companies use them in a in a business to business way to help them help themselves with sales, knowing that their their target audience their customer has one of these devices. It's the first time it really it's it's a really unique situation where it's the first time that as far as I mean I'm, I don't want to date myself where everyone we can say has one of these devices in their pocket and we now have direct access to our targeted audience all of the time from the moment they go to sleep because I use my mobile device as my alarm clock right next to my pillow to the moment I wake up it's the first thing I look at and then I have it all day long and if I don't if I can't find it I freak out so this is a great opportunity so we are saying that this is a mechanism now that facilitates so much it facilitates communications it facilitates sales it facilitates pretty much everything the question is how do you go about using it Yes, but uh, um, I think I'm a little older than both of you gentlemen. <laughs> but I miss the the one-on-one, uh, the fact that you could call someone up and have a reasonable opportunity of uh, reaching through to them. But today it's almost impossible to get somebody on the phone uh, to uh, get them to talk about anything. Uh, as a reporter, uh when I started out, you, you know, you had seven phone calls could get you any place in the country. Today, it just doesn't work that way. And I, you, you found a, a solution, uh, Jeff, which is uh, the app and which everybody is doing. But uh, are we losing something uh, in not having the contact, the, the personal uh, face-to-face? And I'll ask yeah. Jeff, then you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, absolutely. I mean, I grew up when when I was in college. There wasn't the internet, so you could figure out how old I am. Um, maybe. Um, I'm, totally, I'm 72. Uh, you can't be any older than me. All right, 50, 50 here, almost 50. Um, but you know, it, it, t- totally. The the personal touch, it's 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 not there anymore. And with the with the people that work for me, both in my mobile business and my consulting business. You know, they they don't understand what it used to be because they didn't grow up in it. Now, the reality is, though, okay, so that's what it is. But when we think about the workforce that's out there now, you know, the bulk of the of the workforce, the majority of the workforce, and it's growing, is this millennial generation. So are we going to sit there and, and castigate them for having grown up with these sort of devices and the instantaneous, the, the need for instantaneous information, or are we going to figure out ways to embrace them and to communicate with them in, in ways that they want to? 
And, you know, one of the things that we're spending a lot of time thinking about and talking about, and we believe we have a, a, a solution to it, is this whole concept of engagement and engaging with employees and engaging with um, other targeted audiences, audiences, customers. You know, how are you going to do it in a way that makes them want to engage back? And, and the reality is that mobile that? devices is, is, is part of that. How does your product do that? So in terms of our we, – we have various products. It's, it's a communications app platform. So essentially what we do is we give um, organizations, companies, both large and small, um, the, the ability to have their own app on the app stores. Okay. Um, up until now, to to have an app, you know, the Facebook app, you, you, we we have these common apps. Very very expensive to develop. It's software. So what we've done is we've created a templated way in which organizations, companies are able to now have their own app in the app stores at a fraction of the cost of what it would be to uh, to to hire a independent app developer. Again, the purpose of our solution is communication. So it's about putting information out there, access to content, whether it's immediate by way of push notifications. We all know when we download an app that um, it always asks us, do you want to opt in to receive push notifications? Okay, and you can or you, or you can opt out of that. So to be able to push that sort of information immediately. Um, and also the ability to give people instantaneous access to information so, or easy access to information. So, for example... Most organizations, both large and small, have intranets. They have content repositories. So I, as an employee, how am I getting access to that information easily through the mobile device? The reality is is that most intranets, most content repositories, the user experience is really, really bad. So we've developed the software that allows, that facilitates companies to be able to access, to, to, to have a, a mobile intranet, if you will. Brooke, how does that – you're more a one-on-one. Uh, we're getting towards the end of the program. Um, sure. How how do you see this uh, – how, how do you work with people to integrate the personal with the, the, uh, um, the mobile world we're working in? You know – to, to be frank, I, I I really think the biggest reason why a lot of a lot of a lot of the newer maybe the newer school uh, generation guys are, are are not using the phone and are not using it face to face is because you know the uh, the fear of perceived personal rejection. You know, it's it's much more uh, it's it's much easier, I guess, uh, to to get a no back via email or via a text or something, uh, versus you know having somebody tell you no to your face, but at the same time, uh, it's more effective, uh, in my opinion, because less people are good at it, and, and frankly, less people are using it. So you know, basically, what I would recommend as far as technology goes, I mean, I'd say you know give give somebody a list, give them a phone, and you know teach them to make money with their phone. Uh, you know, that's, that's one of the greatest skills I think that our, uh, our younger generations here can, can really pick up and, and really run with because once they understand the power of personal communication and truly being able to express themselves in a way that, that is dynamic, that is engaging, and that is absolutely persuasive, 
that will then trickle on to the rest of what they're doing, be it you know, technolog- you know technologically speaking, uh, maybe they're going to write, you know, however else they, they choose to, to, to express themselves. But I really do believe that at the core of any business is, is a strong sales force who is, is good with their personal, uh, you know, face-to-face uh, and, uh, and phone communication. So, therefore, uh, you know, yes, am I behind, uh, you know, what, what Jeff's saying? Sure. I think I think that can be effective in in the right uh, in the right place at the right time. Uh, you know, however, what I you know what I would really encourage uh, you know some business owners to do, not all, because it's not for everybody. But what I would encourage some business owners uh, who who feel that that tug is is to really get back to the core basics, uh, drill uh, drill your guys, drill, drill your salespeople, get them back, uh, back to the old school, back to the old classic business, uh, where it was, you know, it was natural conversations, uh, that, that lead to a, a, uh, a win-win value transaction. So that's right. That's where I kind of leave my, <laughs> leave my comment there. Well, you know, you know, this turned out by accident to be an interesting conversation. Jeff, do you Absolutely. have any? Uh, Jeff, do you have any comments to make? Um, I can I just uh, tell you a story, fellas. Uh, sure. I, I don't know. Sure. Um, uh, I I got a call from a PR person uh, to do a pitch, and before she could start, I I said to her, "I'm old enough to be your grandfather, but I have to tell you, uh, you have one of the sexiest voices I have ever heard," <laughs> and she promptly hung up on me. <laughs> who who was your client? I hope it wasn't my PR person. Oh, I'm sorry. I said I hope it wasn't my PR person. Uh, no, no, you you have a terrific. <laughs> you have a PR person that just will not uh, stop until she gets you on this program. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but but the point was, she didn't realize that I was paying her a compliment, and that. <laughs> Whatever she said after that, I would listen to, and probably do. Uh, but you know, it, it just shocked me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, and, the, and that's the personal side of it. Then she sent me an email, uh, p- pitching it. I, I knew the email because I saw the address. But anyway, it, it was an interesting. Uh, um, uh, you know, the world. Uh, I get an awful lot of pitches uh, thrown at me, and they all are, um, uh, you know, most of them come via the email. And and but when someone bothers to call me, they have a better chance of succeeding, simply because I so rarely get a phone call nowadays. Yeah, well, uh, if, it, if, if if I could say, I mean, I don't know if you in in the newspaper this morning. Uh, the Wall Street Journal talked about the fact that J.P. Morgan is about to, uh, whether it's for cost-cutting reasons or just because it's not being used, voice they're getting rid of voicemail. Okay, and you know when I read that story in the paper this morning, I said to myself, this is very very telling of the times. Voicemail, you know, how long ago was it that voicemail was just was created, and now it's fallen by the wayside. And it's, you know, I think, you know, as much as we don't want to reject 
you know, the old school ways of doing things, we have to acknowledge the fact that you have a new generation of people who have grown up in a new technological era and the way in which we do business, therefore, has to change. It's not to say that there's not value in the old school ways of doing what we do. And certainly the personal touch, there's nothing more powerful. And being a PR person myself, having been a lawyer, having been a litigator, having been in court and looking eye to eye with judges and adversaries, you, you, we know that. But, you know, or, or do, do we want to n- neglect the fact that the Internet's here? It was, only, it was only 15 years ago that the Internet really became commercialized. Yeah, you know, And it's like, so what are we going to do? Are we, gonna, are we just going to sit and, you know, pontificate about what should be, or are we going to embrace what's new and figure out how we take advantage of it? And that's, you know, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm sitting in the middle of both a traditional and a new I- experience, and it's cool. It's really cool. We want to comment on that. Uh, you know, to, to be frank, I, I, I think I'm good. <laughs> okay. But can I, let me ask you a question on, on that score. Um, if you do manage to get to, um, voicemail, what, what, uh, do you have any way of coming up with a, uh, a, a, a way of getting that person to call you back? You know, I, I think uh, I think a, a big part of it is is just in uh, just in the way that it's said. I think if if it's very robotic and if, and if it feels like uh, you know like it's a tax attorney uh, calling <laughs> calling you to you know seize your assets, uh, which I which I've heard some some salespeople do that before. Uh, it, you know, of course, that's not going to be a be a great uh, <laughs> a great a great return uh, re- return rate on that. But you know, most of the time. I think it really just does come down to, you know, that, that authenticity and actually genuinely caring about the person on the other end of the line. So I, I think, you know, when, when, you, when you hear a voicemail and it's, and it's somebody genuinely on there and you can tell they're not just, uh, you're not just another number on their, on their lead list, but you're actually being talked to as a human being, I, I think that's, you know, that, that makes all the difference in the world. How can people? We we have to close. We've run over uh, because I think it's a. You, you both of you have been really terrific. Tell us how we, uh, people can uh, the audience can reach you and your company again. Sure. So if they want to, if they would like to uh, to get to get in touch with us, they could uh, go to bookourcall.com. dot com. And uh, they can go ahead and uh, leave a um, – just fill out the form there, and uh, we will go ahead and get in touch with them uh, if, they, if they fit that criteria. And uh, we would love to love to have a conversation. Uh, Jeff, how do people reach you and your company? So, so I'll give you my my personal email address. It's uh, J Corbin spelled – so it's J, the letter J, C O R. B as in boy, I-N, at Apprise, A-P-P-R-I-S-E, dash mobile, M-O-B-I-L-E, dot com. And then just in the subject, just put Small Business Digest Radio, and I'll know to get back to you. You could also check out our, our website uh, for our employee app product, which is the theemployeeapp.com. So just one word, no spaces, um, a lot of great information on that website. 
Well, thank you both for being with us tonight. Uh, I hope you, you enjoyed it as much as I I did. I certainly learned Absolutely. a lot. Well, Great. Thanks, Don. No, thank you uh, both for appearing. And uh, uh, please, uh, later on in the year, come back and let's talk some more. <laughs> Absolutely. Sounds nice great. Thanks with you, so Hugh. much. All righty. Take care. All right. Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience add profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard today, tell others about our efforts. If you would like to be a guest or suggest topics for future hours, email me at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's info at smallbusinessdigest.net. We would also like to remind listeners that besides our radio efforts, Small Business Digest comes to you via the web, through our video channel, and in our magazine. You can subscribe for any or all of these by going to smallbusinessdigest.net. That's smallbusinessdigest.net. Thank you, and have a good day.